Welcome to the Liber Europe podcast, the European Liber Forum project. I'm your host, Ricard Silvestre. And for this week, we bring you the second part of a three-episode miniseries on success stories of liberal parties in the other party family. We started with Bath Erlings from VVD, and this time I bring you Carlos Guimarães Pinto. He is a former president and now member of parliament of Iniciativa Liberal in Portugal, or if you want, liberal initiative in English. As I mentioned in the last episode intro, Iniciativa Liberal had a remarkable growth in the last two elections, going from just one MP to now eight. Actually, this conversation was recorded in the Portuguese National Assembly at the offices of Iniciativa Liberal, where Carlos was so generous in receiving me. And after our conversation, I'll be back to tell you about some of the events organized by ELF for this month of November. But now, with no further ado, I bring you Carlos Guimarães Pinto. I'm here with Carlos Guimarães Pinto. Carlos, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Thank you very much, Ricardo, for, for the invitation. Oh, it's great to have you here. And it just occurred to me that I have around 150 episodes recorded for the European Liberal Forum podcast. That is the first time that I have a Portuguese in Portugal talking to me. So this is also a starter for me. I'm honored. I'm honored to, <laughs> to be the first one. <laughs> Well, uh, we are in the seat of power in Lisbon. We are at the Parliament, where Carlos does a very, very good work as MP. And we will get next to the work you do in Iniciativa Liberal, uh, the way that you guys break through in Portuguese society and became a viable uh, governing option. But before that, let's start by introducing you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What was the path that you took to get to the point that we're now talking on the podcast? Hello, first of all, thank you very much once again for inviting me. Um, well, I, I came to politics very, really recently. Um, I, I was not a, a member of the party. The party had just started back in 2018. And at some point, uh, there were some issues in the beginning of the party. The party was founded uh, in late 2017. And in in September 18, the former president quit, the first president of the party, and I was invited to, to join the party and to become the, the president, the second president of the party, and I was not even thinking about getting involved in politics, but I've been reading, writing about liberalism for many years by then, and so I accepted the, the challenge. We would have our first national elections one year later, and I accepted the challenge to become the president one year before our first national elections. Fortunately, those elections were very successful. We managed to get one MP into parliament, our first MP in parliament in 2019. By then, uh, the MP elected was João, who then became the, the third president of the of the party. A little bit more than two years later, we had early elections again, uh, early national elections, and João invited me to be a candidate to MP, and we have gone up from one MP to eight MPs, and I'm one of them, unexpectedly, because until 2018, all I've done was being a management consultant. That's my, my professional career. And ever since then, I got involved in politics. Uh, I was the president of the party. In between, between being the president of the party and being an MP, I also founded a think tank, which is called Mais Liberdade, the first really large liberal think tank in, um, 
in Portugal, well, the, there were others, others before, but the, this was um, this was the first very, very large one. Actually, I think by the time it was founded, and I think still is the largest think tank by number of members in uh, in Portugal. It shows that people were really looking forward to have a liberal think tank in uh, in Portugal. Um, uh, so, so that. That's it, and I keep on writing. It's one of my uh, things that I like to do, one of my passions. So I try to write at least one book every year, um, and I'm about to do one. Hopefully, I think this is the first time I'm saying publicly that oh, the, the, breaking there, news! There, there will be a book on on housing uh, housing policy until the end of uh, this year. It's you know. I don't want to divert from your question, but it's a good way to force yourself to write something is if you announce it publicly uh, that you're going to do it, so you feel obliged to do it. So, uh, yeah, I, until the end of the year, I, I'm hoping to, <laughs> to, to publish a book on housing. Well, dear listeners, you hear it first, so I will be following that work in particular. And once the, bub the book is published, I'm going to have you back on the podcast to go into the thesis of that one. But stay, let's stay with you for a little longer, because you just said that you wrote about liberalism. Actually, you are known in Portugal for uh, being very um, persuasive, writing about liberalism. I'm not going to go into details, but there was a blog and that blog was very successful here. But what was then the starting point for you to get interested in liberalism? How did that come into your life? Well, I always had a very liberal mindset, even in my uh, youth. By then it was directed towards the other type of political ideologies. But when, when I became uh, a student of economics, I got interested in reading uh, different type of uh, authors like Adam Smith, John Locke, uh, mm. Milton Friedman, and uh, reading all of those authors uh, made me uh, a bit more structured in the way that I thought of liberalism and uh, and free markets and uh, individual liberties, uh, and that uh, helped me become uh, a more a more structured liberal on the way that I think about all the freedoms about every type of uh, liberty and that's what brought me to liberalism and then I started writing in blogs it was something very big for the young ones <laughs> and the blogs I wrote became quite quite big in in Portugal I think one of them at some point in time was the most read blog mm -hmm. in in Portugal. It was a collective uh, blog with people from many political areas, not only liberalism. But yes, that's how uh, how it happens. And now I ended up being invited to write in newspapers as well. But n I never thought that uh, it would come to a political career, especially uh, because I was living abroad. I lived abroad mm -hmm. most mm -hmm. of the of the time and writing about liberalism and writing uh, writing about uh, politics in Portugal is just a way to keep my connections to the home country. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I'm not going to go over Chatham rules because you and I we were together in a workshop organized by the European Liberal Forum here in Lisbon, actually, mm -hmm. by the way, about the future of liberalism. But I think you made that uh, opinion of yours public. So, again, I'm not going to break the rules of Shatton House. But you do mention that something about you that you came across on your professional life, which would be you were saying, I'm from Europe, 
and whatever market you were in, immediately people are like, oh yeah, you guys are the champions of regulation. <laughs> I thought that was really cool. You want to tell that story really quick? Yeah, yeah so I, I used to work, uh, my, my professional work was in strategy consulting, most of it related to, uh, to telecom, digital and media. And I, I fully remember an, an episode where me and other professionals from the telecom area were, were meeting with some European officials where we, we could make questions and ask about some different type of policies on, on telecom and digital. And at some point I, I asked the, the one of them, so um, right now, you know, uh, it, the United States are leading on this and this, <laughs> the Chinese leading on this and this. Um, what is Europe leading in these, uh, in these uh, sectors? And the person answered me, uh, regulation. <laughs> and I thought, I thought he was joking. I literally thought he was joking, so I laughed because I thought he was joking, but no, he was he was really serious about uh, about that. And well, regulation is important. We are we are liberals, uh, not anarchists. But there must be something else that Europe can lead on in in sectors as important as telecommunication, digital, and. Uh, and media, and yet def definitely that that also inspired me uh, to fight more for yeah. liberalism and free markets. If it is enough to be like a running joke around all the private sector, then it is something that we have to take in, into account. You already introduced Iniciativa Liberal a little bit, but uh, let's go with a little more detail because this is part of a mini-series where we already have someone from VVD and from the Reform Party, and I think it's uh, fruitful for our listeners to understand locally the, what happens with these parties and why they are successful. Indeed, you just mentioned that the first election, uh, the party had 67, 600 votes. This was like 1.3%. And then it jumps in 2019 for eight MPs and 273,000 votes, almost 5%. So something went well. And also, I know that you were associated with it. So tell our listeners a little bit then what was the, the magic that was done in Iniciativa Liberal to break through into the Portuguese society. Very good. First of all, uh, we must say that that Portugal is very different from from other countries mm -hmm. in the sense that it's extremely rare for new parties mm -hmm. to get into into parliament. Um, until um, until 2019, the last time a new party had got into parliament was uh, already 20 years earlier. In the previous 20 years, only one party got into into parliament, which was an environmentalist, a Green Party, that got into parliament. So this is extremely rare. Unlike in some other countries, it's very rare for it uh, for it to happen, and it's even more difficult to uh, get into parliament when you uh, you go to your first elections. Mm -hmm. The party that had gone, uh, I can't remember one party that had gone in the last 30 years in the their first election. There might have been, but uh, sure that Green Party didn't didn't do it. They did it in the second election. So it, it was it was extremely hard. It was extremely hard for a liberal party because liberal liberalism mm. was not very well perceived in in Portugal. Now it's a bit more well perceived thanks to Initiative Liberal. So it was a big challenge to um, to do that. And in order to overcome that uh, that challenge, we uh, first of all we didn't have a lot of resources, we didn't have too much money. I, I used to say that when I joined 
uh, the party we had uh, pretty much zero in your in our bank account and a small debt so we started from less than zero in terms of uh, of uh, money and with no donors or anything that were uh, already agreed so we did our first election which was the european elections of 20 19 with a little bit more than 20,000 euros um, so so the challenges were big and we had to find a way to overcome them and and well the other thing that would make uh, um, make it easier for a, a political party to elect would be to have a very well-known leader which was not my case I was not well known mm -hmm. um, so um, so we didn't have any of those tools that usually parties would need um, but we, we managed to get a very creative marketing campaign uh, both on social networks it became a very big hit on social networks but also um, in terms of outdoors we have we decided to go for the outdoors strategy that was focused on having one outdoor of each type but each outdoor was so extremely creative mm -hmm. that um, it would uh, spread it would become viral uh, and people would be interested in seeing that outdoor so with a small investment uh, one large outdoor in Portugal costs a bit more than 1000 euros with one investment of 1000 something euros we managed to have a big hit that um, made people talk about us made the press talk about us and that was all about it and Carlos, let me interrupt you for a second because you're going to choose one of those outdoors. You're going to give me the picture and I'm going to put it on the show notes so that our listeners can then associate what you're just saying because indeed Carlos is absolutely right on that. They are very, very, very appealing. Continue. Well, it, it is it is uh, it is hard to choose one outdoor because they they <laughs> they they really some of them have to do with our circumstances. All right, we'll put to then we'll put to our <laughs> exactly uh, yeah but they, they yeah I could tell the stories of many of them but I'll not bore the audience but but just to to, to sum it up uh, by the end of that year in 2019 we were the first political party to receive a, a marketing award mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, for our campaign. Usually only big brands get those marketing awards for their campaign. We got one for our, our political uh, marketing during that year. And that allowed us to, um, to get into parliament. And after you get into parliament, everything changes. Mm -hmm. um, you all of a sudden, you start to have uh, attention from the media. You start to be on the TV pretty much every day because they give a slot in in the media every day for for a political party uh, and we we start to have more money because uh, we have uh, some more access to to funds and that changed completely the life I, I think sometimes we speak within the party that the day that we got into parliament is sort of a, a cert a second birth of mm. the, of the the party because then we become a serious Mm -hmm. political party until then we were just in a bunch of uh, more than 20 small political parties that are trying unsuccessful for years to get into into parliament um, including in the past there was one called liberal democratic party that didn't also manage to get into into parliament uh, i want to emphasize this in the same elections where we got into parliament, there was a political party started by a former prime minister of Portugal yes. that had a lot of uh, media attention mm -hmm. that didn't get into parliament. Just 
to understand how mm-hmm. how hard it uh, it can be. But once you got into parliament, things become a bit easier because we have media attention. People start to get to know us, uh, understand who we are, who uh, um, what are our ideas, and and that was what what allowed us to be where we are today. Very good. And as we are heading to the conversation about the European elections, because that's the main topic for having you on the podcast today, some of our friends in Europe, and I'm thinking about Greece, Serbia, they go through pretty much what you guys went through here in Portugal, which is liberal, it's a dirty word. Liberal politics are not going to be accepted because they're mostly like socialist um, governance and socialist culture. So tell us, how did you break through? How did you convince almost 300,000 Portuguese to say, yes, this is the way I want to be governed? Well, we went through through very uh, a lot of phases. There's, there's a rational and an emotional perspective. Mm-hmm. The rational, mm-hmm. we... Uh, did a lot of work on um, publishing data about the economic situation in Portugal, about how liberal policies work in other countries, about how we can copy them to make mm-hmm. our lives better, to have uh, higher salaries, better education, better healthcare, to explain our ideas. And that's the, the rational part of it that was very important. Our um, the, our publications in, on social uh, networks became very popular because they were very to the point. I was I was a strategy consultant and uh, and, and people started saying that our our publications looked like um, uh, consultant slides because mm. they were very simple, very <laughs> directly to the point and tried to pass some uh, some message. And that was a rational perspective. And then there was an emotional, the whole thing about the image of uh, a young dynamic, creative, with a, a touch of sense of humor, mm-hmm. and people f- felt an emotional attachment to that uh, to to that image because they, everyone wants that, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to be happy and you and young and uh, creative. Um, so it was an image that people liked. So all of a sudden, liberalism stopped having that image of uh, being a dark mm. uh, stuff that is related with exploitation or whatever and became something cool that uh, young people wanted to be to be connected to and uh, and after young people middle age and after middle age yeah. older people and so on um so much that nowadays liberal became a nice word to the point that even some of our political adversaries, uh, <laughs> they they started to say, "No, no, I'm also liberal, a, yes. a different type of liberal, yes, but yes, I'm yes. also I'm also a, a liberal from left to right. Everyone is trying to say that they are a different kind of uh, of liberal, something that ten or fifteen years ago everyone would try to re- refute to be. Indeed, and two quick points from my side. Uh, one of them in Portugal, and maybe. Our friends in Eastern Europe have been warning them about this, which is the neoliberalism, which is an ideology on itself, which is not what the Iniciativa Liberal defends here in Portugal. But in, here in our country, we had a social democrat and a Christian democrat government that had to do a lot of austerity measures. And that word neoliberalism is still floating around. So you guys do a, a tremendous job in, in separating those two things. Yeah, I like... I like to think that uh, every every political party should be, have get together with uh, different uh, visions of, of uh, that has at the at the center the vision of the party and around it different 
type of visions of, of what the party should do. We should not be only in one ideological mm -hmm. point, just straight over there. But of course, we'll have people that think differently from the... So we have uh, people that are a bit more social liberal, some, uh, some people that... Uh, I don't like the term neoliberalism but have a more economic vision of, more of, classic of liberalism, liberalism, the yeah. more classical liberalism. Um, and as long, I said that in the beginning when I became the president of the party, it doesn't really matter the final point that you want to reach. Mm -hmm. It matters if the direction is the same for everyone because we are so far from that final point for everyone, we are in such an illiberal country mm -hmm. that as long as we want all of us to walk in the same direction, that is what matters. I, I used to give the example, if we, by then it was a better example to give, now, now it will have other connotation, but if we want to take a walk from here to Moscow, I, I would say Moscow because it's, it's very far, sure. no, 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 <laughs> not for any other reason, it's, it's because it's very far from Portugal. If you want to start a walk from here to Moscow... Okay, let's go Warsaw then. Le if let's go, go Warsaw, from okay. Lisbon or, to Warsaw. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to go from, from Lisbon to uh, Warsaw uh, uh, walking... Does it? Do you need to argue at this point in which street of Warsaw you want mm -hmm. to be? It doesn't matter, right? Yeah. It, it it just matters that we need to walk in that direction, and maybe we will stop in Berlin or we'll stop somewhere in the middle because uh, it's possible that we will not get to our final destination. But we know the direction that we want to uh, to take and we all agree on that. Why should we lose ourselves in discussions about details of the final destination? Very good. But I wanted to bring that up because those austerity years were really, really hard in the Portuguese uh, society and I was a little bit afraid because you guys were coming up at that time and I was like a little bit afraid of like oh no the neoliberalism it's going to make people they will hardly uh, even pay attention to the party which would, did not happen and that is a very positive thing now let's move to the European elections um, you are part of the machinery of the party of course it's it's still a little bit early to talk about the campaign itself but if I have to ask you what will be the difference when you're thinking about communicating with the Portuguese electorate, talking about regional, national issues, and then all of a sudden you jump into the European Union. What, is your, what are your thoughts on that? We are all very excited about the European elections, uh, first because there's, it's very likely that we will have our first MEP, mm -hmm. uh, our first liberal MEP. Mm -hmm. So we are very, very excited. There's a chance that we'll have two, maybe. Mm -hmm. I was so, trying yeah. to convince Carlos, sorry to interrupt you, I was trying to convince Carlos to run for MEP position, but <laughs> he broke my heart, he said no. <laughs> um, so so we, are, we are all uh, extremely excited. Unfortunately, and I don't know if that happens in other countries, I would like to know that, mm. um, but the campaign, the European election campaign in Portugal tends to be focused on national issues, not, mm. not even related, not national issues that are related to European politics, national issues only. And then we have the, all of these arguments about national issues and then people vote for the European Parliament, which I think it's really bad because by now we should be able, there's so much of our lives that is already decided by the uh, European Parliament. I, I am in the Portuguese Parliament and we get a lot of legislation that comes from the European Parliament mm -hmm. that we are expected to transpose into the national 
legislation. Um, so I see how much is already decided in the European Parliament, and I feel really sorry that we don't uh, discuss that enough in uh, in in Portugal, and especially when we should be discussing it, which is in the uh, European um, in the European elections. Um, we hope to change that, to be honest, mm. uh, because we have a different view uh, from most of the uh, of the other parties uh, from the the socialist party from the the far left and far right parties that uh, will uh, very likely have uh, um, a strong word to say because they they're growing in the polls so uh, and i think it will give us an opportunity to defend the european european liberalism in the next uh, european election i would do hope that we'll be able to focus on on those topics that is a fantastic point, Carlos, because unfortunately there's a lot of discussion about national issues, even during the European elections campaigns. So, again, let me get back to this. How can we convince the Portuguese electorate to vote a liberal party because that is the party of good governance? Because the European Union, let's be honest, it's a liberal minded institution that works with rule of law, with free markets, with liberty, you know, social, uh, personal liberties, social liberties. So how can we translate that to a Portuguese society or other society that are listening to this conversation where we go, listen, this is what we have to lose if we elect the extreme right. This is what we have to lose if we elect the extreme left. How can you find that soft? spot you go to you go to television you go to in important interviews you're a good speaker how, how can you bridge that gap well we are fortunate by now to have a generation this is about uh, I, I am 39 so it's my generation already and the youngest uh, and the younger generation that uh, have gone to Erasmus have studied somewhere they know what Europe has to give them mm -hmm. some of them most of them have uh, f friends in other countries in mm -hmm. Europe they travel with low-cost airlines everywhere um, by the way the liberalization of the airline industry happened because <laughs> the European <laughs> Union had a, an important role in it and that allowed people to to travel more and to to go to more places some of them even got married or have boyfriends and girlfriends all, all over Europe so they have they have a sense of belonging mm -hmm. to uh, Europe and that's what we want to to show them against um, the recent trends from the far right and far left that basically want to destroy European Union want to destroy our our freedom our freedom to to move within Europe to, to get to know other people um, so so that's that's something that we want to pass. Those forces that you might be unhappy with this or that, you you might be um, annoyed by by some of the decisions or some of the things that you see. But whatever alternatives they bring to you, it's much worse. They will destroy what uh, you. It took so many decades to achieve what you like so much about Europe, and that's what liberalism has to bring. But it also has to bring something with respect uh, in relation to the other parties that are not in the far left and far right, the conservatives and the, the social democrats, because those parties have pretty much dominated European institutions in the last in the last decades, and uh, and there is a perception 
I know it's sometimes overstated that, I mean, even more overstated than it looks, um, that there's lack of scrutiny in the European institutions, and we are liberals. Uh, that's mm -hmm. what we bring as well to the table. We, we, we defend uh, full transparency, scrutiny, um, and, and for some people who, who might have that uh, that perception, liberalism also brings a, a fresh view on how the European institutions should uh, should work. I think most most of that perception is overstated, but the fact that that perception exists, we should not refuse it. If the mm -hmm. perception exists, we, you should also uh, f fight that perception. And I think the liberals are, are the ideal force, to a, p a political force to, to fight it. They are indeed, and I was very privileged to be at the Renew Europe Roundtable discussions on the future of Europe, the Conference on the Future of Europe, and it was quite cool to see people reflecting what you just said right now, which is we want more democracy, we want more liberty, we want the institutions running properly. And I think that is a great message here in Portugal also, because in a way we are, and this uh, allow me, Carlos, to say this and to, uh, to our listeners, which is we actually should be thankful that we are a member state of the European Union. It's been a quite of a help for us. And as you were saying, there are parties in Portugal and around Europe that they want to destroy that project. They wanted to make it something completely different. So um, I'm worried about that, and I know you share that worry. Yes, yes, you know, um, the European Union was part of my growth. I was, a, I was an Erasmus student, so mm. I, I worked in, in other countries in, uh, in Europe. I was a part of, I think it's the first time, I'm, no, maybe the first time I'm also saying publicly, in, back in 2004, I was a part of a European Union project. Um, I went through many high schools in Romania that was about oh. to join the European Union to tell um, the students, high school students, about our inst institution and how did it work. And I mm. saw the excitement that Romanian students had about uh, joining the European Union. I also saw how miserable the country was by then, how poor the country was in, in 2004. And I see the development that the country had within mm -hmm. within. European Union, so there's there's so much of me that links me to um, to this this European European project. I also lived in uh, in uh, in Hungary. I, I worked in uh, in Spain, UK uh, when UK was part of the European Union. So 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 there's there's really there's really a lot of uh, of me that is within the European Union. I think it's something that is really worth uh, fighting for. Let's make that emotional connection. As you just said, there is emotion in politics. You have a lot of work to do in Portugal yet, so we will be capturing here in our country so that you can help our country develop. But I'll repeat this one day. I hope that you do take that challenge to help grow that European Union project. And as we're getting now to the end of our time together, and time flies when we're having fun, please tell our listeners where they can find you online, and particular if they want to follow the work done by Iniciativa Libra. Very good. I'm all over the social networks. Unfortunately, I have a, a middle name that is extremely hard to, <laughs> to write and memorize for... Um, I'll put it on the show notes. Don't worry about it. For, um, for foreigners. But uh, I'm sure Ricardo will put all, all, all my username uh, from uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn as well. Uh, LinkedIn has become quite 
popular in mm -hmm. Portugal as well as a, a, a tool for politics um, and Initiative Liberal also on all of those networks, YouTube as well, I'm also on YouTube, so feel free to follow me. Well, if you understand Portuguese, uh, right now I only uh, write to uh, Portuguese audiences, but it will be um, an honor to be followed. Well, there's one thing that is called Google Translate nowadays. <laughs> nothing is really uh, not accessible. Listen, Carlos, this was amazing. A uh, long time coming and we finally got our time together and I'm going to thank you so much for talking to me on the podcast. Thank you very much, Ricardo. And, uh, and thank you for uh, all the listeners uh, and uh, let's keep the good fight. I'm back. Just reminded that you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher and if you feel like it, give us a five-star review. In that way, you can help us spread even more liberal values and ideas. And now for some of the events organized by ELF for this month of November, from the 3rd to the 5th of November in Warsaw, there will be another edition of the European Trainers Academy, this time with the title Advanced European Trainers Academy 3, Debating Strategies. These events aim to train trainers, prepare them for debates, also to increase their skills, and capacity building while improving quality of training across European liberal network. And this is all for now. I'll be back soon with more podcasts. Until then, let's keep making the world a better place. This podcast is produced by the European Liberal Forum, co-founded by the European Parliament, and have the support of the social liberal movement Think Tank in Portugal and Liberté Foundation in Poland. The views expressed herein are those of the speakers alone, and these views do not necessarily reflect those of the European Parliament and or the European Liberal Forum. Yeah.